You're listening to 06 Answers, where every week we interview a different member from the West Point class of 2006. When you ask 06 questions, you'll get 06 Answers. Welcome everyone to the 06 Answers podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wang. Joining me here on today's episode is Meg Kelvington. May currently serves as a coach for Riveting Mission LLC based out of Powell, Ohio. If you remember, she entered West Point from Springfield, Virginia, and was in company C3 as a plebe and B3 as an upperclassman. Meg, thank you for joining me on today's show. How are you doing today? Great. And Matt, thank you so much for doing this and for reconnecting us, all of us. And I just really hope that we hear each other's stories and start to reach out. No, I, I totally agree. And as I was looking at your background, I remembered that or I saw that we both were in the third regiment. And I feel like as plebes, third reg was like the hottest regiment. Do you feel the same or do you have any you know recollection from the third reg days? <laughs> I do. I think I felt it honestly more as um, a yearling for some reason. I don't know what the reason for that would be. But yeah, I feel like um, maybe yearling year, the, just the pressure of you being responsible for plebes and yourself. I don't know. Maybe it came from that. Well, as we get to it, my memory comes specifically from being a part of third regiment. (laughs) Great. Well, before we get into the details, I'll just uh, explain the format for any new listeners or, or, you know, really people who are listening to this episode. So part of the reason I started this podcast was really in anticipation of the 20 year reunion. And it's called 06 Answers because uh, I ask my 06 classmates six questions and we hear their 06 answers. So Meg, should we jump into question one? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So obviously uh, everyone knows about the 47 month experience that is West Point. Do you have a core memory or a certain story of yours from the West Point days that stands out? I do. And so I will uh, not name names in this, but I was, I believe it was when I was the first battalion, battalion commander, or it may have been when I was the B3 first sergeant, but uh, Mm -hmm. one of our classmates got in trouble and I had to go stand in front of the man, which was not the man, was the woman, Colonel Barone, (laughs) who was the third reg RTO at the time. And I was there, I remember both as, um, you know, cadet chain of command, um, and was also there to speak on this cadet's behalf as a, to give a character statement that I didn't think he should be kicked out. And so I was there for that purpose as well. And I remember either he or I, or someone else in the room made the statement about, you know, that even though we realize the responsibility we have of becoming future army officers, that we still are maturing in our, you know, young 20s and, you know, would love the opportunity to like learn from this mistake. And her Mm -hmm. comment back hit me hard that, you know, she acknowledged that, yes, we are young and we're going to make mistakes. And yet, looked at like all of the cadet, you know, the couple of us cadets there and said, you are paid to be different. Wow. And it was like, you know, just that soulful kind of gut punch of, wow, we really are like physically paid a paycheck to not be a stupid 21 year old, you know? (laughs) Um, And it really was, you know, I was pretty straight laced and, um, afraid of getting in trouble myself those days, but 
I just remember from then on of thinking that they would tell us all the time that you are the best and brightest. And yet <laughs> we, we were paid a paycheck to not be a dumb 21 year old. Yeah. That must have been very eye-opening, but also intimidating being as you're in the cadet chain of command, yes. having to advocate, like you said, for the classmates. Right. Yes. And it, it, you know, it was definitely humbling of, um, you know, a little self-reflection there of, am I taking this as seriously as I should be? I mean, I still talk about that to other people of, you know, how are you meant to stand apart and not fall yeah. in line with what everyone else is doing? And in what ways are you being, you know, quote unquote, paid to be different and you're not living into that? No, it's so true. It's a good mentality, I feel like, mm -hmm. to just carry on throughout your career, whether in the military or even, you know, if you get out. Right. I mean, she was intimidating as it was. So, yeah, when she got hot <laughs> over, he listened. <laughs> well, Meg, maybe I'll pivot to question two. Sure. You know, it's been... A little more than 15 years since you graduated. Is there something that you're most proud of since graduation date you want to share with the audience? I think absolutely our family's growth, not necessarily in numbers that we have four kids, but in the spiritual, mental, emotional space, thinking about my husband and I getting married before I started flight school and two weeks before his deployment. Wow. And the number of people that we both knew, you know, were probably saying in their heads, this is never going to last. And we had multiple opportunities where, by the grace of God, he held us together because we've seen how marriage in the military can be really hard and stressful on people and that it doesn't last all the time in heartbreaking numbers. And I am just so thankful and proud of the fact that we, I, won't, I don't want to say put in the work, but we made going to church together a priority. We made praying together and praying for one another a priority. You know, when it came to having kids that we constantly recenter on being a team and having influence over one another's decision-making and then respecting whatever, you know, whatever decision was made and just the growth that he and I have had as individuals and as a couple to continue in that endeavor. And then certainly, you know, having four fun loving kids of Thinking back, you know, as a cadet and being around sponsor families that had a couple kids and like, <laughs> wow, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun ride, but definitely I would say, you know, my pride comes in the faith that my husband and I have grown together and that we share as a family. Yeah, so that's been for sure yeah, that's mind-blowing that you were saying you planned both the wedding and he was getting ready to deploy. And I feel like if I only focus on one of those things, <laughs> it would be a lot. So like, how did you do it when, you know, you had both of those major life events planning? My dad was very excited to have his, you know, first daughter getting married and his mom was very excited to be, she had three boys. And so I was going to be the first daughter-in-law. And really, you know, the two of them took the reins and I just said, you know, I want pink roses. And um, we were originally going to do a courthouse wedding, 
and both sides of the family, my parents said, you know, it doesn't have to be a Catholic wedding, but you will get married in a church. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so his parents worked that out for us because we actually got married in his hometown because it was over his block leave that was already planned. So yeah, everything the army tells you not to do, don't make any big decisions (laughs) or any big life changes before deployment. Yeah, so I planned actually a lot of it at airborne school after graduation in July and August of emailing with vendors with my mother-in-law in in the CC line because it was in their hometown. (laughs) And it was it was interesting. Yeah, I look back and I don't really. um, Yeah, I was I was pretty much final decision maker. But between my dad and his mom, they did all the network, you know, all the you know, what about this? And what about this? And my mom took me dress shopping. And I think it was like the second dress I tried on and was like, yeah, this is it. And then, you know, the, the consultant who had probably blocked off an hour for me was like, wait, you're done. I'm like, yeah, this is it. And it fit off the rack. So I didn't have to have, yeah. So it was actually oh, very um, nice. Yeah. Meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and he was actually stationed in Alaska. So the biggest headache was him flying in and out back to Alaska to leave out of there. Wow. (laughs) Good time. I can picture you at airborne school, probably with a a green notebook, just thinking about (laughs) taking notes. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely remember spending, you know, weekends in my, um, well, was it considered a barracks room at Olson hall with the roaches and mice in those old rooms. And, um, (laughs) yes. And, you know, trying to, you know, they wanted to know, cake flavors and I was pretty low maintenance on it and was like I I don't really care just (laughs) make it nice I had a a good friend who his tagline was make it nice and I feel like that's a a good you know oh yeah uh, good phrase to just have it he would always go uh, to restaurants and he would talk to the waiter and before the waiter you know goes off he says oh can you ask the chef to just make it nice Anyway. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I may have to steal Shout that. Shout out to my friend, Nabil. Meg, maybe in, in terms of the, the next question, sure. this can really span, you know, from any time frame, whether it's at West Point or even now, but is there something that you wish more people, classmates knew about you? So going really back to that question, well, what we just talked about of the kind of growth experience, we'll talk about it probably a little bit later, but being in counseling now and in the coaching journey I've been on of the amount of self-awareness I lacked. And, you know, we all have blind spots, no matter how much personal effort we're putting in, but probably in the last, oh, five to eight years, when I really dug into the study of psychology of realizing how much self-awareness I lacked in college and in early army times. And I remember more than one commander counseling me from a leadership standpoint and me not understanding their comments of, you know, something to the effect of I'd have to go back and look at stuff. But like, if only you realize the influence you had on your soldiers, you know, the difference you could be making. Mm -hmm. And it never sunk in and I never cared to dig deeper and, you know, what do you mean type of, and I, I don't know, maybe they explained it to me and it just (laughs) didn't sink in. And, um, 
Yeah. So it's been, I think the biggest thing is probably for all of us that we're not the same people we were going on 20 years ago and much more, I feel like open-minded and open-hearted to new experiences than I was then. As we talked about before, I was very much a pipeline army officer. You know, both my parents were grads. I had an uncle that was a grad. My dad was a pilot. I went on to be a pilot and I stayed in the nice, neat pipeline. And it's only been in the last five years and really the last two years specifically that I've broke out of the box and gone out on my own. That's awesome. I mean, you were just saying, you know, it's not something they probably taught us or maybe, you know, I wasn't paying attention either, whether it was a military (laughs) science class or behavioral uh, leadership class. But I think that's something that West Point taught me, or, or at least I was told that you're expected to mature rather quickly in a short amount of time. But like you were saying earlier, you know, you're still in your 20s, even if you're getting paid to, you know, study and, and learn how to become a leader. It's during those first couple of years when you're a second lieutenant, first lieutenant, where you're still trying to figure yourself out. So right. Well, and you bring up, you know, BSNL. And I remember being in those classes and being so intrigued by it. And when it came down to like pitching majors, I remember people that were selecting it as a major and me thinking in my head of like, yeah, but what are you going to do with that? And there (laughs) I was a comparative politics major thinking I was going to be a FAO someday and I was going to use all this international relations experience (laughs) And now here I am decades later, knee deep in human development and (laughs) (laughs) wishing I had those extra psych classes and oh, well, yeah, so that. Well, it's probably not too late to, you know, think about going back as a teacher, right? Going back to the halls of Thayer. Oh, oh gosh, no, (laughs) no, there's no way. I don't know that there's enough counseling in the world to get me over that angst, but yeah. <laughs> My palms well, that would sweat probably... just walking in the steps. Yeah. <laughs> Not trying to think too much ahead of us in the future, but yeah. what's something else that's maybe currently in the works or uh, something that's on the horizon that you're excited about and, and passionate that you want to share with the audience? Oh, for sure. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, so I will... Lord willing, uh, finish my last three master's classes this May and have a degree in human services counseling with a specialty in life coaching. Uh, So I do not plan to do the clinical licensed side of things of helping individuals process past trauma and where problems came from, but rather work from where you are now to where you want to be in the future graduating in May will be certainly a huge personal triumph and also something that I'm really excited to use all of the education paired with, you know, life experience and working with clients um, to build some trends to be able to help ease people's mental suffering, honestly, um, is Mm -hmm. really my passion that I think Growing up in the military and being an army spouse and an army officer, you know, I have early memories of, uh, you know, family friends or friends of friends that went through divorce or hearing about suicide. And so it's always been something that it's like, man, if I could just help get at the root of this and, you know, the number of people that can be reached by practical and relational 
help. I think that it's, it's really a passion of mine. And so I'm really hopeful that in May, not having the weight of grad school on me and being able to work <laughs> full time in the space is something I'm really excited about. Can you tell me and uh, an audience a little bit sure. more about Riving Admission and yeah. uh, you know what you're going to do with all that free time once sure. you're <laughs> all that you're, free time. Graduated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Riveting Mission came out of my fitness coaching journey. Uh, so I did, uh, I'm a certified personal trainer with two different organizations and it started specifically on the fitness side of things. And as I really got going, more and more clients were coming to me for more than just fitness help. Um, and so I started to work with people on an individual basis of what are your current personal struggles and let's start to find solutions for them. Whether it was negative thought patterns um, and using psychology therapies kind of on the light side of CBT for those of you in the army have probably gone through some cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and then also acceptance and commitment of being in the present moment and accepting things for what they are and not putting a positive negative spin on thoughts all the time. And it just kept growing in that way. And so for a while, I was what I called an amateur psychologist. I read the books, you know, got on the webinars I could get into, and then did a couple certifications and then officially went back to school for my master's in it. And so I do life coaching right now for mostly working women that are also moms and helping them live intentionally and get out of the mindset of overwhelm and that your life is not too much for you and that there are often things that we do, I think, to fit into society and that maybe aren't important to us personally, <laughs> that we can start to let go of and set personal boundaries. But it starts with what we just talked about, Matt, of being self-aware yeah. enough to know what actually matters to you, right? And if we don't take the time to realize what matters to me and what are my beliefs founded in, then you don't know what to cut out because if everything matters, nothing matters, right? Yeah, oh, so, so true. <laughs> yeah, so riveting mission. I'm on a mission to build more resourceful and resilient women, mind, body, and soul. Um, I do it through group coaching, one-on-one -on -one sessions, um, and then some fitness stuff sprinkled in there. Nice. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I usually put this towards the end, but is there sure. a way that people can contact you or you know, social media in terms of how to get connected with you in Riveting Mission? Yeah. So I strictly use Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, my email is riveting.mission at Gmail. And both of them can be found nice. on there. But right now for group events, I'm either doing them in person or if you gather a small group, I've done um, Zoom as well for people, but I have not launched that maybe in the next year or two of launching in the virtual space. Right now, I don't have the desire to learn the tech side of things. <laughs> so yeah, but I feel thanks. like that'll probably be a new a new course at West Point in terms of how to lead through uh, digital uh, products. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what they went through with the pandemic because I feel yeah. like you know we were so relational built and. Um, you know, my husband is here as a professor of military science at Ohio State, 
and we can't, we're not even allowed to have cadets over to the house. There's no such thing as sponsorship. So, you know, NCOs and his NCOs and the officers that work for him, there's no level of really personal sponsorship, you know? And so thinking back of our time, it's like, whether it was your official sponsor or, you know, a study group, I feel like, you know, that was really impactful and important that you could walk up to any, you know, professor and get extra study time. And I don't know how that would have worked in the pandemic of um, everything going virtual and quarantining and I can't even fathom. I think what we could do is probably get another classmate on as a guest who maybe was a professor at that time. It would be good to yeah, understand like great. the challenges they went through. Oh man, so This is a sure. call to action for any, any of our classmates. Yeah. Who are reach out, time. reach out. <laughs> Meg, the, the fifth question is the, the first of the two grip hands questions that we've yes. kind of labeled them as. So this question comes from the previous guest and that guest was Sonny Tosco. Mm-hmm. And uh, his question is, when was the last time you connected with a classmate? And what was that conversation like? Sure. So it was actually a text conversation um, because I, uh, my husband put me in touch with one of his cadets that um, she was looking at aviation um, and she's in the National Guard here in Ohio right now and wanted to know the difference of a National Guard aviation experience versus active duty. And although I do have that in my um, my past chapters, I was a fixed wing pilot, which is a very odd aviation experience. And I got out in 2014, so it's not like my experience is necessarily relevant. But I got her in touch with Nerea Cal, and so oh, nice. yeah, yeah, who's you know certainly a champ in our class and for women aviators out there made the battalion command list and she's back at Yale getting her PhD. And so I was able to, you know, catch up with Nerea a little bit and get the two of them in touch. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Did you guys bring up anything from the West Monets or was it just straight to business? <laughs> it was pretty much straight to business. Yeah. It was, you know, amongst other things. So, yeah. Well, that's very cool that you were able to connect with another female aviation classmate. Yeah, yeah. uh, Very cool. (laughs) And Meg, I'll ask the final question to stay in line with that, uh, Mm -hmm. the long green line. What question do you want to ask the next classmate? I think it would be one, let's just assume you're planning to come to the 20 year reunion. Who are you currently out of touch with that you hope also shows up? And why do you want to reconnect? Very nice. Very nice question. And I usually pose that question back to the guest that just asked that. So no pressure, but if you do happen oh, to man. have someone in mind. Super curveball. Um, let me think. <laughs> Gosh. Um, honestly, you know, you brought his name up, but I think Brandon Archuleta, he's not a Facebook stalker. So, you know, I do a lot of like social media stuff just with business and whatnot. So, yeah, I think I would for sure want to link back up with he and Tiff and you know, you mentioned twins and I know they had twins. And so just see how life on the personal side is going for them. Yeah. Well, we will definitely, uh, I will make sure to shoot a message to Brandon <laughs> yeah. and Tiffany. And uh, you'll, you'll also hear an episode uh, one when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, I can't Brandon wait. And, and his experience. 
But you know that, sure. that's really the, the six questions. I want to thank you uh, again, Meg, for your time, sharing the memories back from the West Point days. Now I'm getting PTSD just from thinking about my RTO <laughs> and um, you know my board. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, I know. it's always it's helpful when you have you know classmates to hang out with and you know, right. speak up for you. And then thanks again just for sharing your journey too about your time in the military and also getting out and starting a riveting mission. It, it sounds awesome and excited yeah. to finally celebrate graduation with you. When yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. Um, but thank you so much for doing this, seriously, for having the vision of finding a way to reconnect. And as you said, you know, we talked about the tech side in this day and age, um, but finding a way to make it personal of bringing us on one at a time and being able to go back and listen and doing it before the 20 year reunion. And hopefully something like this makes people eager and excited and to put in the effort it will take for all of us to come back and set the time aside for one another, really. So thank you so much. No, thank you. And I uh, appreciate uh, all the information you share with our guests. Yeah. And uh, I usually end every podcast with our lovely motto, never falter, never quit. Never uh, falter, so thank you never again. Quit. And until... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Great. Until next time. Thanks, Meg. Yep. Thanks for listening to O6 Answers. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on O6 Answers are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the United States Army, Department of Defense, or any other agency, organization, company they have or currently work for. Nor does its use imply endorsement of our opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. Any material presented here is for general information purposes only. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at O6 Answers.